Migration and asylum are a contested topic in current European politics. But what do the people really think? And why? For the fourth year in a row, Arminius, Studium Generale of the Erasmus University, and Economic Society KVS organized the Miljoenennota gesprek. With reflection on the Miljoenennota, but also room for other topics. You are now listening to the final part of this evening. In this part, Timothy Hatton talks about Europe's asylum policy. Timothy Hatton is professor of economics at the University of Essex, and he researches economic history and applied economics. In this lecture, he will talk about his research on Europeans' perception of the economic effects of migration. My name is David Boeren, events producer at Studium Generale, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. Thanks very much, Robert. Um, let me start by apology, apologizing for not speaking in Dutch. Um, I think uh, the reason uh, is I don't have the great language facility that most of you here have, and that's because I didn't have the good fortune to grow up in the Netherlands. And now I don't even have the good fortune to be with you in the European Union either, so uh, <laughs> that's too bad. Yeah. Um, okay, so today I want to, as Robert said, uh, talk a little bit about um, uh, asylum and asylum policy in Europe, uh, which I've worked on for a while. And uh, I want to focus on two things. One is public opinion, and the other one is the development of uh, European policy on specifically on, asyl on uh, asylum and refugees. So uh, if you'll bear with me, uh, let me just run through a few uh, graphs and uh, show you some things that you may not be well aware of, and uh, I think that uh, reveals something about um, what we do and don't know about... Uh, oops, what's happened there? Oh, there we are. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so let's just think about some uh, basic facts about uh, public opinion. Oh, sorry, I got it now. Uh, okay, thanks. And, um, I mean, if we look at uh, the, the standard survey that's used a lot in um, uh, European opinion studies, and you look at um, anti-immigration anti opinion average across the survey, many countries, um, and if we take that to be where, uh, immigrant, where, where people say, respondents say, they would wish to allow only a few or none immigrants into um, the country, that could be a measure of uh, anti-immigration uh, sentiment. Uh, if you look at that, and I'll show you the graph in a minute, um, public opinion isn't so overwhelmingly anti-immigration as some people seem to think. Uh, what is also true is that it's been getting less anti-immigration uh, opinion as, as we've gone through the years. It does differ between countries. As we know, it's uh, generally more positive. So, so anti-immigration is lower in uh, Scandinavian countries. It's more negative in Eastern Europe, and you'll see that uh, uh, the, what the average looks like for uh, 18 countries, where if I can find it, where has it gone? There it is. Okay, so that's what the trend looks like from 2002 to 2020, which is the latest uh, data that we have. And you can see that it differs a bit between uh, attitudes towards immigrants of the same ethnicity as the majority of the country, um, it, um, it, which, is, which is sort of less anti-immigration. Uh, immigration for people from different ethnicity is a bit more negative. 
and immigration from poor countries is outside of Europe is even more negative. But you can see that we're, we're talking about a half here. We're not talking about overwhelmingly anti-immigration uh, attitudes. Uh, here's the Netherlands. The Netherlands is not all that different from uh, the, the, the main you know, central parts of Europe, basically. Let me just track back a bit now. So uh, if we look at some of the other questions, uh, whether the government should be generous in judging people's applications for refugee status, about a third uh, are negative on that. So it's not overwhelmingly, uh, it's not the majority by any means. People are actually quite positive about uh, humanitarian um, um, status and uh, refugees, genuine refugees, basically. Um, it, it, one interesting thing about uh, opinion is that if you uh, ask instead of these you know, broad questions about would you like to see less or more or whatever uh, about the same uh, amount of immigration, if you ask people specifically about policy, you ask them about, for example, family reunification policy, and you do things like these um, types of experiments where you, where you ask people about different policies and ask them to compare them and so on, people are not... Uh, all that negative and they're not all that far away from what policy actually is. So when you drill down to you know, the details of policy, actually you find that people are fairly comfortable with the sorts of policies that currently exist. One thing that people are massively against though, and this is just overwhelming in all the data, is, is illegal immigration or unauthorized uh, entry into the country. Um, which we've seen a lot of in the press and, uh, and, and so on from time to time. Just recently, as you will have known from uh, your, the, the press coverage of the, uh, of the issues in Lampedusa. I'm still doing this wrong, aren't I? Okay. So here's um, a graph. I'm, I'm sorry it only goes up to 2013, but this just shows you what um, uh, policy this is an average, again, for 18 European countries. Um, and it shows you what the sort of trends have been. So this is policy, and this is policy restrictiveness. So basically, if the graph goes up, that means we're getting tougher or tighter or more restrictive. Uh, if it goes down, it means we're getting less tough. And you can see that policies on entry uh, and stay, in other words, the sort of, sort of border policies, uh, sorry, the, 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 the policies about admitting people and the way where they're treated, uh, is becoming less restrictive. Integration policies have become less restrictive. In other words, more efforts being made to integrate immigrants. But border policies have become much tougher. And so that's, you know, that, those trends seem to me to be rather consistent with people's thinking about uh, immigration and immigration policy and public opinion. Uh, another sort of thing we can see is the... the um, way in which uh, trends have moved uh, for uh, asylum applications. So this is the proportion of asylum applications, this is across Europe's 20 countries, um, that have been accepted on the first instance. If we take into account appeals, that would shift it all up by about 10 percentage points. But you can see that you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's a broad upward trend in, um, in that. And the, the upper graph is all those who gain some sort of status at the first instance, that's in other words the first round, uh, and the lower graph is uh, for uh, status under the 1951 Refugee Con Convention, which is a, a sort of more restrictive, uh, but, uh, but usually gives um, more privileges than 
the other uh, types of status that could be given, like subsidiary protection, for example. Um, but the, um, the blue line is the total, total number. You can see it's gone up a bit. Now, partly that's because um, uh, there have been um, cases of abuse and war and humanitarian outrages which have meant that uh, more people have come with good evidence that they've been persecuted and therefore they've been accepted for that reason. Um, but I reckon about uh, a quarter to a third of that upward slope between about 2003 and 2017 can be accounted for by um, European policies becoming uh, more, more, uh, more positive towards refugees. This is what it looks like for the Netherlands. Um, it's sort of similar, similar sort of thing, not quite such a, well, somewhat upward trend, but not quite as clear as the average when you average out all the ups and downs for the different countries. But still, I think the pattern is somewhat similar. Oops. Let me come to another sort of dimension of uh, public opinion. This is um, what uh, I call salience. So basically, it's a different measure of, of public opinion. What it says is not whether you want more or less or something like that of immigration, whether you want policy to become tougher or to become more permissive, but rather whether you think that this is an important issue that should be addressed by public policy, basically. And that's salience, basically. So it differs from what, the, what you saw previously, which is what I call preference, more or less. Um, and uh, salience is when people perceive that there's usually, it's usually when they perceive that there's a crisis to which the government should, or uh, has failed to respond. Um, and of course, at those times, that's when the debate really hots up and when people's broad feelings about immigration, which are often more negative than their specific views and choices about what policy should be, that's when we, we come to a point where there can be a, a serious backlash. So basically, a public opinion backlash, which sometimes leads to um, you know, political ructions, as we've seen in several countries. That's because they, these debates tend to be sort of, uh, conducted in the most sort of sloganeering terms, uh, which basically raises people's kind of uh, anti-immigration, often raises anti-immigration feeling. Here's what salience looks like. Ah, I keep pressing the wrong button. Oh, well, oh, there we go. That's what it looks like. This is going, again for 21 European countries, averaged, averaged out. You can see that uh, what this basically is, is the, it's, it's a question from Eurobarometer, which says, um, out of 14 alternatives, pick two that you think are the most important or, or make up another one that you think is important. That's basically what, what it is. So it tells you that on, if you go up to about 2012, 14, about 10% uh, of people were um, citing immigration as one of the two most important issues facing their country. Not facing them as individuals, but facing their country. You can see what happened in uh, 2015, which is when the uh, European migration crisis, the uh, surge of mi migrants coming from Syria, uh, it really shot up. There's a huge uh, spike then. And you can see it comes down rather gradually there. And, uh, oh, okay, thanks, thank you. It comes down rather gradually. Well, what you can also see is that uh, if we look at 2022, uh, you can see that uh, there's no spike there. Now, only two of those observations are um, 
observations that occurred during the time the uh, Ukrainian war has been on, but you can see there's absolutely no spike coming up there at all. So there's a big difference between what happened in 2015 and 16 and what's happened more recently, certainly in terms of people's concerns about, uh, about uh, immigration. This is what it looks like for the Netherlands. You can see the same spike, a little bit of an upturn in 2022, but still nothing like the uh, spike in 2015-16. Okay, so these two crises are quite different then. Uh, the first one led to uh, not only to a massive increase in salience, but also to a crisis in public policy. Uh, the Schengen system broke down, uh, cooperation across Europe uh, declined, and um, there was general uh, chaos about uh, dealing with uh, the refugees from Syria until the uh, agreement came in 2016, which cut uh, the number of migrants coming uh, from Syria by about 90%. The, uni the Ukrainian crisis hasn't become massively salient, and it hasn't evoked the sort of um, negative backlash and also the sort of deep thinking within the European Union that's led to a lot of policy reforms since then. It hasn't done anything like that. And the question, one question is why? Well, there have been a number of studies that have looked at this, and um, I mean, there, there, there's differences between uh, the two, uh, the, the two uh, migration crises, if you want to call it that. One is that there's a difference between the location, so obviously Ukraine's in Europe, uh, Syria isn't. Uh, there are ethnic differences, which we saw in the previous graph. People have different attitudes to, to, to uh, ethnic groups that they see as outside their own ethnicity. Uh, there are demographic differences. Basically, the um, Syrians were uh, most often men. Uh, the Ukrainians are most often women and children, largely because um, uh, Ukraine doesn't want uh, men under 60 to leave the country. Um, but the one other thing I want to point to is that the Ukraine crisis saw, for the first time, the implementation of the 2001 Temporary Protection Directive. This was um, set up in the aftermath of the Kosovo crisis, when there was a, um, a mass exodus from Kosovo to a number of countries in eastern and indeed further west in Europe as well. Um, and it was an attempt to try and deal with, uh, uh, with, with uh, crises like that, but it was never activated, not even in the Syrian crisis or indeed in any of the other surges that we've seen over the 22 years until now. Um, what it meant was that, uh, unlike the Syrians, the Ukrainians were not coming in by illegally, by sea, they were, and uh, so they were not you know, high profile in all the press, and uh, as we've seen just recently with uh, the migrants sailing to Lampedusa from, um, from, Africa, from North Africa. Um, and that kept salience low. And it's meant that uh, policy has been able to um, operate sort of in a low profile way, which has been uh, useful for helping um, uh, refugees and hasn't led to the sort of great di uh, divergences between European countries that we saw in the Syrian crisis. Oh, uh-oh. I don't seem to be able to master this, do I? Okay, no, that's not working. Oh, hang on. Okay, so what about, what, 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 what does this mean? Have we now entered a new, 
Oh. <laughs> there we are. Have we now come to a new um, era in asylum policy? Um, uh, partly because of the aftermath of the Syrian crisis, uh, we've seen the activation of the temp temporary protection directive. Um, and we've seen a number of other developments after the pact, Asylum and Migration Pact of 2020 that the European Union uh, issued. Uh, one is the Asylum Procedures Regulation, which is harmonized, uh, intends to harmonize procedures on unfounded and uh, in inadmissible applications across the uh, EU. Um, it's now a regulation, not a directive as previously, so it actually goes straight into, uh, it's not translated through you know, national law, it's actually a law as, uh, on its own, on its own stand, freestanding. So it should be the same across all countries. Uh, the Asylum and Migration Management Regulation, which again, I've seen a draft of, it's, uh, it provides a new solidarity mechanism for uh, redistributing uh, migrants to different to asylum seekers to different countries in the case of a crisis, um, as was done uh, in the Syrian crisis, but with such a lot of controversy and didn't really work very well, uh, this time they, uh, it's now being, being um, uh, formalized into this new regulation, which uh, I've seen a draft of, which is on, online actually, um, and um, we'll see how that works. Because it's important to note these are regulations, not directed directives, are not uh, you know, treated by the same in every country. So there's a wide variation in the way in which uh, refugees and asylum seekers are treated across countries, both in the recognition rates and a whole variety of other ways. And this is what the, the European Union is trying to do now, is to make it a Europe-wide policy, one policy, no variations. And so uh, I think it'll be very, very interesting to see uh, how this works. Uh, it's very difficult to see from the, you know, from, from the draft, which is 150 pages long, I might say, and written in legal jargon. It's very, very difficult to figure out how this is going to actually work. Um, so it would be interesting to see how this will work. And secondly, whether this will increase or decrease the heat of the asylum debate, which is very important, as we've seen uh, from the uh, point of view of, uh, of the salience of these issues. Thank you very much. That was the lecture. Interested in more? Then check out the website, social media, or YouTube of Studium Generale or the Bad Podium Arminius. Thank you for listening. <laughs>